From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome once again to the Freeman Report, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Wednesday the 14th of February 2024 and on today's Freeman Report we'll be getting an update from Italian MEP Francesca Donato on the blockade in Rome by Italian farmers. We'll be asking what is at the heart of the Italian protests and what is being said in the EU Parliament about all of these protests. As we have learned from a number of Freeman reports over the past few weeks, the specific reasons why farmers are protesting are extremely varied. Um, We've heard from Welsh dairy farmer Steve Evans about how the supermarkets in the UK strong-arm farmers um, by taking all of their data on their businesses and then using this against them by setting prices that just keep farmers hanging on by a thread, just enough to keep the lights on, meaning farmers are kept in a vice-like grip by the big corporations unable to do anything to get themselves out of the situation. We've also heard from English farmer James Peck of PX Farms, who told us how the government's sustainable farms initiatives in England make it four times more profitable for him to stop farming on prime agricultural land. We also heard how the British government has been incentivising farmers to leave farming altogether and that the average age of a UK farmer is now 59 years old. Um, Not sustainable at all. We've also heard from Gareth Wynne-Jones about how the Welsh government's lack of action on badger populations is ruining farms in Wales, as getting TB in their cattle is a case of when, not if. Gareth also spoke about Welsh Government plans to force Welsh farmers to turn over 10% of their land to tree planting and a further 10% to habitat creation, which would lead to the loss of 5,500 rural jobs and £200 million in lost income for Welsh farmers. Now, like the EU, the Welsh Government also wants to restrict nitrogen usage and the storage of other materials on farms. TNT's Gemma Cooper also spoke yesterday about the situation with British wool and claims that the prices that the the board is offering British farmers for their wool is not viable. Now, I contacted British Wool this morning to request a spokesman appear on the show to give their side of the story. And I'm delighted to say that their CEO, Andrew Hogley, will be appearing on this show next Friday. So definitely tune in to that. Now, while the specific issues faced by farmers vary a lot from region to region, one thing that runs through all of the discontent is a feeling by farmers that they're being squeezed and asked to jump through impossible climate hoops. Their businesses are being made deliberately unsustainable in a drive to put farms out of business as a sacrifice to the climate gods. And this is happening globally. 
We all know about the farmers' protests on the European continent, how farmers across most of the con continent have been blocking capital cities and motorways, and how they've, <laughs> they've been spraying manure um, at government buildings in France and the EU Parliament. That does make me smile when I hear that. Um, now, most of us who listen to new media platforms like TNT and watch social media know all about this and the fact that it's been going on, even if coverage has been fairly limited in scope by the legacy media. But it's not just European farmers who are being squeezed and attacked by government-led bonkers climate policies. In recent days, um, farmers in India have been fighting with security forces as they make their way to Delhi for a planned blockade of the city in India. And we've just heard um, New Zealand, the same thing is happening as well. So this is a global issue. And it's clear that it's not happening by accident. No, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum and other globalist organisations have farmers' lands in their sights. And of course, in the background, there are billionaires like Gates who are lining up to take advantage, creating new products like synthetic fake meat and alternative sources of protein, you know, summed up by you must eat the bugs. So today we will hear from a member of the European Parliament, Francesca Donato, who stood alongside the farmers outside of the EU Parliament in recent weeks and who is now seeing farmers blockading the streets of her home um, capital city of Rome in Italy. I'll be asking Francesca what the issues are for Italian farmers and what is being said, importantly, in the European Parliament about the situation. Francesca is a freedom fighter who has stood shoulder to shoulder with Christine Anderson, MEP, and other MEPs to push back against EU policies related to COVID and the COVID jabs. Like Christine, Francesca sat on the EU committee that discusses all of this. And I looked at um, Francesca's EU landing page this morning. She's also recently contributed to debates on the EU 2040 climate targets and the EU's proposed intention to extend the list of hate speech and hate crime offences. I'll therefore also discuss these issues with Francesca, so stay tuned for all of that from the bottom of the hour. Now, before we go over to Francesca, though, we'll be staying in the UK to get a two minutes of sense with June Slater, who's back joining me um, after today's breaking news with Gemma Cooper. Now, before we go over to Gemma, I have an important request to make from all of you. As you know, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they will do. We tell the unfiltered truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Nobody in the world does what we do. Um, Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. And in two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts, of course, and brilliant staff. Now, you all know that 2024 is a critical time. It is so important that we continue to call out misinformation and propaganda pumped out by the legacy media and their powerful sponsors.
So with this in mind, we're now appealing to our many friends and supporters, that's you guys out there listening and watching around the world, to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to the station while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Please go right now. Go on, off you go um, and do it while you're thinking about it. It'll only take a minute and then you'll be able to watch the rest of today's Freeman Report, knowing that you are supporting this incredibly important mission. Go on, go and do it now and give what you can afford, please. If you want to get in touch about anything, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always, if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Hello, Gemma. Hello there, James. Hello there. Yes, very much looking forward to hearing what the uh, your MEP has to say today about the farmers' protest because, as you rightly alluded to, there they're gathering a pace not just in Europe but globally. And I've got an update for you actually on the Indian farmers' protest, which is taking place as we speak. We're in the second day now of the Indian farmers' protest. Most of them have made their way from the Punjab, which is just north of the capital, New Delhi. Uh, they're still 125 miles away from the capital, but for the second day in a row now, police have used tear gas on the farmers. Uh, plastic bullets allegedly have been fired on the farmers who say, look, you know, we're not here to cause any trouble. We just want a minimum price for our crops. That's all we're asking for. That's all we've ever asked for. Um, so the, the Indian government, it seems, are running scared. There's uh, military police, there's uh, troops, parliamentary troops all lining up with lots of uniform on waiting for the farmers. Um, and uh, Sarin Singh Pandey, the farm leader, is saying that the attacks on the farmers with tear gas and rubber bullets are absolutely shameful. He also criticizes legacy media in India for portraying them as terrorists mm. and saying that they're completely aligned with, with uh, opposition organizations to the current government. So th it's in lockstep around the world, isn't it? The treatment of the farmers by governments clamping down on them, trying to put them out of business, and the treatment of the farmers and the portrayal of them in whatever legacy media happens to be in that country. You, you really couldn't write this stuff. It's like one big global government playbook is being deployed now when it comes to the treatment of farmers and the portrayal of farmers in the media. Um, last night, uh, Tuesday evening, the farmers kind of said, look, we're going to we're going to bed down for the night. Uh, um, but this morning they started advancing again uh, on the capital uh, and the troops are waiting for them. So it's just a matter of seeing how this one plays out as the protests in Europe and the UK have played out. Um, and in the EU, as I'm sure we're going to hear about in a minute from your guest, you know, that it did it did lead to a change in policy. It did lead to a reversal of some of the things that they were proposing for farmers in Europe. Not everything, but a lot of things. And they did actually say, you know, Ursula von Leyen said, we need to listen to our farmers. Well, you know, you could argue if you'd listened to them in the first place, you wouldn't have had all the protests. But, you know, there we go. Um, it just remains to be seen whether the government in India will listen to the farmers, because, of course, in 2020, Indian farmers protested for a year and did force the authorities to roll back on some of their agricultural reforms, which no doubt would have had the magic words climate emergency written all over them. They did have to backtrack. But that was a protest that went on for a year. So you can really see the strength of feeling in India. Uh, they're, they're certainly not going anywhere, despite the assault of tear gas and rubber bullets. That's not a thing anybody would like to face. They're still not stopping. They're on their way to New Delhi as we speak. Let's see if they get there within the next few days. 
Yeah, and good luck to them. I was reading about this this morning, actually, and um, the police and the security forces, they're using drones to drop tear gas um, around the, the farmers and their vehicles. Pretty shocking stuff, really. Um, you know, and, you know, whilst obviously we don't want farmers to be treated that way what i say is bring it on because um if there's somebody you don't want to make angry it's a farmer trust me um i remember years ago going camping where i shouldn't have been and um the farmer came we hadn't got permission on his land to, to, to camp there so it was absolutely awful but he literally drove at us with a tractor with big forks on the front right at our tents um and he wasn't stopping he went through the tents and we were like shocked so don't mess with farmers people um um, so, you know, in terms of the freedom movement, this is very, very welcome to have farmers on our side. Uh, you know, we, we saw what happened in Canada with the truckers and, you know, whilst they kind of lost at the time there, they've won overall because, you know, the, the recent court judgment against the Trudeau government saying that they were out of order for the Emergencies Act, which they used. So, you know, this is all this is all really, really good stuff. Um, and, and particularly the fact that it's going on globally all at the same time, because at some point, you know, the freedom movement, the whole freedom movement, everybody, including the farmers, can all come together. That's what I'm hoping will happen this year at some point and that we will see protests globally um, about what is going on. In terms of um, Francesca, um, I think I've said this on the show before, I don't regret, um, I mean, you know, I went to Europe as an MEP to put myself out of a job and I don't regret that at all. That was the right thing to do. But I do have, I must admit, um, when I um, see Francesca and Christine Anderson and others standing up and on that platform and being able to do the stuff they do, I am very envious of them um, because I would love to be there with them, um, you know, on that platform still um, with the all the power that that holds. But um, I'm delighted that she'll be joining me um, on the show. And I guess that's the second best. And don't forget the power of TNT, James, the power of TNT. Got yes, of course. Week. Of course, of course, of course. Right. Okay, Gemma, was that the story that you've got today or have you got um, any more breaking news for us? No, it was just an update, really, because I think that people are, are so focused on the European and UK, what are now UK farming protests that, that mm. they know this, it's easy to forget this is global. This is global. This is lockstep. It's exactly the same as what happened four years ago. It's just a different issue. Uh, it's, it's, it's control, you know, control the farmers, control the food, control us, exactly what they tried to do from March 2020 onwards in the name of health. So this is a global lockstep issue thankfully this is a global lockstep response by the grassroots movement of our farmers to what the globalists want to impose and and i hope it's galvanizing people right behind them i know it's certainly in england the public support is right behind the farmers as it, it seems to be in europe too yeah and um by the way if um you don't follow me on x do get over there now i, I put a, a post out it's gone viral last night and is ever UK farmer breaking down um, how the um, you know the methane that cows release, how that actually works, and basically what it does is it breaks down the lie that cattle are responsible for climate change. It's really good. It's really simple. It breaks down the science, and basically it totally pulls apart the lie which they're telling. Um, and of course, you know policies are built on this so the welsh government wants to turn over 20 percent of land to tree planting and habitat creation instead of having cattle and and crops 
um, and sheep and all the other things that farmers do, which is the things that keep us alive, you know? Um, so, you know, they're, they're literally putting um, the, the, they're saying, if we don't sort out the climate, you're all in trouble, but actually, you know, it's a load of hogwash and actually they're putting us in trouble by the actions to um, sort out the lies which they're telling us. So it's all a big con very much. Thank you very much, Gemma. Look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. And to the rest of you, stay put, because after this short break, I'm going to have June Slater back for her two minutes of sense. So don't go anywhere. Stay right here with us on TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right, as I said, we've got June Slater coming up next. I've got to have her on the phone with me. But before that, June has sent a monologue over, so we're going to play that video right now. So, Studio, if you can play that video, thank you. For those of you watching Rishi Sunak last night on the debate on GB News, I felt like I was watching a double glazing salesman training his staff. He knew all the answers because he was following a script and it showed him up for what he was, which is a front man. He's not one of any significance to me. Nobody voted for him for a start, not even party members. He was manoeuvred into position like a chess piece. And I think now his weaknesses in such a position are showing because when the vaccine injured stood up to have their say, I think something quite vital is missing on this. And that is the fact that the people who were in the studio went to great pains to turn up and have their say because normally they're bedridden. Normally they can't even breathe sometimes. Normally they're in so much pain and it's a neurological symptom that there seems to be no antidote for. These people have been left by the wayside and there's not just the two in the studio. There's thousands of them and you only have to look on the yellow card system to find out. Rishi Sunak answered uh, questions like he was dismissing some irrelevance that, oh, we don't need to talk about that now, you know, there's bigger things to talk about. There's nothing bigger than someone having done what the government suggested they do to keep everyone else safe. Remember that part, please. We were told to do it to keep others safe when the, the, the actual drug wasn't even tested for transmission. And excess deaths. 
why isn't that at the forefront? Your nation is dying in huge numbers of working age people. Why isn't that your priority? Why is everything else pushed in front of this? You could be forgiven for thinking that the Tories is trying to push this under the carpet. Let's forget all about COVID and all the mistakes we made and let's just push on now as though times are normal. Times are not normal. Nobody voted for you. You haven't won any hearts and minds over. The audience were inept and politically naive and basically last night was just hot air. It meant nothing. Right, we've got June on the line. So June, Rishi Sunak says the vaccines are safe and effective. Well, he only said it in Parliament, so he's protected when he says it there. He didn't say it on the debate, did he? I noticed that. Very. Um, I actually think, you know, people don't understand just how shielded these politicians are. They're surrounded by sycophants and advisors. So their level of information depends on those around them. And as we know, most of the civil service are Blairites which are globalists, which want a one-world government. So Rishi Sunak, who wasn't the Prime Minister at the time, um, will be, he, will, he will have information withheld from him as far as vaccine injuries go. He, I, I don't particularly think he's inherently bad or evil. I just think that these politicians are easily swayed. He's obviously into making a lot of money because he's extremely rich, as is his uh, in-laws and family. Um, and just to understand about Rishi Sunak, he does have investment in Moderna, but it's what's called in a blind trust. Uh, sad to say that I've probably got money in Moderna because I've got a, a investments in a blind trust. You don't know where the money goes. You pledge X amount with a broker or whoever you're hedging the fund with, and they then spread load it across various pretty safe places. Pharma's one of them. I don't necessarily think he's inherently sat there like the devil, um, but I do think he's a bloody wazzock, and I think we can do better. I mean, I cannot yeah, believe in this. Go on. June, though, the thing is, I mean, I, I know I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, and, and I would agree with you on many politicians that that was the case. But he was the chancellor. Um, you know, he's the second most important person, or he was the second mo most important person in the UK government um, at the time when COVID was going on. I, I, I find it hard to believe that he will not know what the situation is. There would have been discussions in, in government about what the yellow card data was showing, about what the MHRA was finding out um, with AstraZeneca and the other jabs. Um, I'm not sure I totally agree that, that he will be kind of some kind of naive person um, that's not aware of what's going on. I'm not suggesting he's naive. I'm telling you how it works because I, I took the trouble to find all this out when I worked for Vote Leave. I got an insider to help me. I, I wasn't a bloody clairvoyant, and he explained how it works. He said, "Oh no, we wouldn't tell a we wouldn't tell a minister that. They, they shield them from information that will damage the narrative they want them to push out. The whip is a very powerful person in a political party, and they have so much say over what goes on, and they steer the narrative." Uh, Sunak is just a front man, it's a puppet he'll sit mm. down, his advisor will say X, Y and Z um, these aren't decent people there are no decent people in politics right now, because if you look there's 650 MPs sat in that chamber, and one of them I know has a sister who's vaccine injured with uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome uh, one's got a wife that's injured, one's got uh, a relative that's injured that's uh, lost sight, they know and they're keeping quiet. There's several reasons for this. 
they they don't want to go against the government because they'll just be ostracised like Andrew Bridgen and nobody wants to end up in that position. Uh, the whip always has some dirt on them, or it seems to be that way, that they can use as a, as a stick to poke them with. And many of them are going to lose their jobs. Anyway, there's so many people leaving politics because of the way it's gone. I don't mm. honestly think that the backbenchers, particularly the backbenchers you've never heard of, are sat there inherently evil. I think they're mundane. They, don't, they do not read documents. You must know this. They do not read things like the withdrawal agreement. They don't read anything properly. I, I mean, I've, I've well, read one or two of them with stuff. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right there, June. I mean, remember the fisheries um, uh, minister who didn't read <laughs> the Brexit fisheries text um, in the agreement. I mean, absolutely shocking that was. But um, yeah, June, I think, look, me and you know, we need real people in our parliament. Sadly, we haven't got them. We need people like me who really don't give a shit. I will tell the truth. I will stand up for what's right. And whatever the consequences are, I will face them. Um, we need more people like that with some backbone. Um, June, now I know there was another thing that you wanted to talk about, something very, very close to your heart. Um, tell us um, what, what that is. We lost June. Okay. No problem. Well, um, June's going to start coming back on weekly, so we'll um, we'll get her to to talk about uh, what she was going to talk about. It was basically on experimentation of um, dogs for for medical reasons and whatnot. Um, a really emotive topic. Then, obviously, something close to June. Um, anybody who knows June will know she loves her dogs. So, um, so we'll get June to talk about that next time she's on. Right, okay, we're going to go to a quick break now. And when we come back, I've got Francesca Donato um, on the line with me. So she's going to give us an update on the situation in Europe and in Italy with the farmers um, as they're currently blocking um, the cap capital city of Italy, Rome. So we're going to hear all about that in a second. So don't go anywhere. Stay right there with us on here on TNT. Now, TNT Radio News. I have huge news. Huge news. Are you ready for it? Yeah! Do it! Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The US Senate has passed a foreign aid bill unlocking $95 billion in wartime funding for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. But the bill must now be approved by the House of Representatives. Despite being the oldest president in US history, the White House has confirmed 81-year-old Joe Biden will not take a cognitive test when he sits for his upcoming physical exam. And a powerful explosion has erupted at a key gas pipeline in central Iran. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Hello, Francesca. How are you doing? Of course, you've been on the Freeman Report before. Um, I think it's been a while since you've been on, uh, seven or eight months. And of course, we've spoken many times over the past few years. So how are things with you? Okay. Well, very well. Very well. Thank you so much, James. I'm very pleased to be with you today. And uh, I'm happy to, to share our thoughts and our discussion with your listeners. 
Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you for coming back on the show. Um, Francesca, for those who maybe don't know who you are, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just starting. Just give us a little bit of background about you. Obviously, you're a member of the European Parliament, um, but um, our viewers would be interested to hear, you know, what what are your interests as an MEP? What is it that you're um, focused on in the European Parliament? Well, generally, I may say that I am interested in uncovering the truth on uh, many issues where uh, mainstream media lie to people, uh, starting from uh, the truth about, uh, I don't know, uh, green policies and green transition, the so-called save the planet issue, and all the policies that the European Union puts forward and are really damaging uh, uh, European economy. Uh, going to uh, Russian-Ukraine uh, uh, issue, uh, the war, and the response that, uh, that uh, the EU has given to this crisis, uh, the damages, the no use of the sanctions that we, uh, we launched against <laughs> Russia, which are damaging, uh, deeply damaging uh, our enterprises, our companies, and our people. And so on. A lot of issues where we, we've been hearing so far just uh, lies and misrepresentation of uh, true uh, problems. Now, of course, Francesca, I was actually out. Um, I was voted in back in 2019 at the same time as you. Um, I went out to Brussels to put myself out of a job and I don't regret that. But sometimes I am very envious of you being out there um, when I see you with Christine and, and the other MEPs and all the great work you're doing, because I would love to be standing out there with you um, on, on that world platform and um, speaking about all the things you're doing. But anyway, let's move on. Um, Tell us about these farmers' protests, because I spoke to you on the phone um, a couple of weeks ago. You were actually outside the EU Parliament, weren't you? Um, let's start talking about that firstly. What what happened? And I guess, what was the reaction inside the Parliament to all the farmers out there? I think they were spraying manure over the EU Parliament, weren't they? Well, there was a very a huge protest here in Brussels weeks ago. They arrived just in front of the parliament. Uh, there was uh, uh, a security chain uh, around the buildings uh, um, because they they were really aggressive. <laughs> I dare to say they uh, put on fires uh, and uh, exposed a lot of small, you know, uh, tricks uh, <laughs> to frighten people. So uh, it was a, a very uh, remarkable protest here in Brussels. It was sort of uh, more than 1,000, uh, uh, you know, uh, trucks uh, and tractors. Is the right uh, yeah, term? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah tractors. So uh, it, it was impressive. Um, the, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, answered to their demands uh, in the plenary meeting, saying that uh, um, in the future, the EU is willing to listen more to the farmers' uh, demands, to discuss with them uh, future policies, uh, especially the policies, of course, that uh, concern and uh, uh, target farmers and are included in the Green Deal uh, uh, you know, frame. 
but uh, I think that uh, her words are just uh, empty promises. Uh, they, she didn't give any, you know, immediate measure announcement uh, uh, that goes uh, uh, and that meets the true demands of farmers. In fact, the protests are uh, going on at the national level. In these days, we've seen um, uh, tractors and farmers uh, uh, just in Rome, all over uh, Italy, but uh, they, they are concentrating in Rome lately. Um, and so this shows that out that uh, uh, the, the issue are not solved. They are really far from being solved. Um, our government uh, is a, a right-wing government uh, and uh, is uh, proposing itself as the government of farmers, uh, on the side of farmers. Mm, and probably we, we have uh, a, a higher attention than other countries uh, compared to other countries to these issues by our first minister and our uh, government. But uh, in spite of all that, uh, um, it's difficult to see a true solution because it's the whole EU frame of the green transition yeah. that uh, compels all national governments to do these uh, reforms and to implement these policies that are really killing our farmers and our agricultural uh, economy. Now, Francesca, I was uh, I was actually you answered my question, my next question, which was going to be, do you think there's any substance to Ursula von der Leyen's words? Of course, we've got the EU elections this year, haven't we? And I'm sure that the Commission must already be worried about the fact that um, I think this time we're going to see a big influx um, of MEPs more towards the right side of politics. Um, at the moment, obviously, the Parliament is dominated by those that are signed up to the green agenda and, and all of these things. How much do you think influence that has had on the response from the Commission, the fact that we've got those elections? Because this could, if it blows up in the Commission's face, it could impact those elections, couldn't it? Sure, sure it could. And uh, the reply of uh, von der Leyen was uh, for sure um, influenced by the fact that we are getting closer and closer uh, to European elections. Uh, all the parties, all the deputies are in an electoral campaign <laughs> currently. So everybody is trying, you know, to uh, put its their hats on the protests of yeah. farmers saying yeah. that's my issue i i'm on the side of farmers and that's why unfortunately uh in these days uh, in italy at least they are splitting up the protest is splitting up because uh, some of them don't want to be infiltrated by politics uh, by exponents of political parties that speculate on their demands uh, um, and uh, it can, you know, uh, change the true goal that they yeah. have, which is yeah. to have a whole, uh, you know, a whole politics uh, attention and the united response to their uh, to their problems. 
Yeah. Now, um, I did look on your landing page for the EU Parliament today, Francesca, and I see that in terms of the debates that you've um, contributed recently, one of them is the 2040 um, climate goals for the EU. Um, tell us what those goals are and, and any problems that you see with them. Well, the anticipating to 2040, the reach of the um, Paris Agreement uh, targets, saying that uh, by that date, by 2040, we need to uh, achieve, uh, uh, to have the 90% reduction of CO2 emission, is a true suicide for all EU companies, not just farmers, but for industry. And I, I tell you, I'm, uh, I ha can give you a record from the direct voice of representatives of uh, EU and Italian companies, industrial companies, that they are so much concerned about that. Because mm. first, they are totally aware that all of that, all these policies are absolutely no use to reach the goal of stopping climate change. This is just ridiculous. Nobody believes that. But they are compelled to pretend that they do uh, because of, you know, a political convenience. Um, so they, they are perfectly aware it's totally no use for climate issues. At the, at the same time, they are aware that it will lead a lot at the majority of our uh, enterprises to um, uh, go away, to close up or to escape to other third countries because it's yeah. not possible to, to uh, sustain this uh, uh, reduction. It means that they will not have any longer the, the sources of energy because it, yeah. it, we are not ready for that transition in such a short time. And, and the, it, the, it's insane that the commission goes ahead with the, this uh, insane policy. And even worse is that uh, the almost all the groups uh, at the EU Parliament are supporting these measures. It's really I, unbelievable by my yeah. point of view. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and Francesco, as being um, a former MEP myself, I know how the parliament works, because unlike national parliaments, the parliament itself doesn't actually have any powers to create laws. Um, it is the commission that does this. It's lobbied by private interests behind closed doors. And then when the legislation is already agreed on, i.e. this is what we want to do, then the parliament are asked to rubber stamp it but, now. But I tell you what. I tell you what, sorry for interrupting you, James. But no, go ahead, what, yeah. The truth is that also uh, deputies, also the groups, uh, the main groups in the parliament are totally uh, influenced by the lobbies. The, yeah, my colleagues' yeah. amendments are written directly by the lobbies. And it depends on what lobby is stronger uh, it will prevail on other interests and other smaller lobbies. Lobbies also represent. Uh, there are lobbies rep uh, that represent the citizens, but they are they have not at all as much strength as the big enterprises uh, uh, lobbies have in uh, multinationals. Yeah. So, but with that in yeah. mind, what I was going to ask is these these crazy policies. They're clearly crazy. These climate policies. Where are they coming from then? Because if, it, if it's not in industry that is lobbying the commission mm -hmm. for this, 
Is it like the United Nations? Is it the, the, the World Economic Forum? Who is lobbying the Commission for these policies? Where are they coming from? For sure, uh, in, in, on these issues, there are the lobbies of green transition. I mean, uh, uh, you know, solar energy and um, uh, electric uh, vehicles, you know, yeah. that definitely need. The point is this. The euro system is not compatible with the green transition. So all the pro uh, producers uh, uh, of, uh, you know, eolic uh, energy, solar energy, and uh, uh, electric uh, vehicles and so on could not survive without public subsidies. And so if the uh, European Union doesn't push and allow and finance public subsidies, they would die. That's the point. So the European Union is lobbied by these enterprises which are participated by the big, uh, you know, big uh, financial institutions, uh, uh, from the US and all over. And, and they need this public support as much as multinational of the pharma sector needs. And, and so they all lobby the parliament, lobby the commission to have the money, the taxpayers' money, to do their profits. That's all the story. That's how the yeah. European Union goes on. And of course, the problem here, we're going to have to go to a break now, Francesca, but I'll just say this before we go, is, you know, when we talk about solar panels, we talk about batteries, electric vehicles, of course, you know, which country is is leading the world in all of that at the moment? It is China. So um, all of these policies, what they're doing essentially is making it impossible for European industry to, to, to go ahead because they just cannot deal with these energy policies. Um, and the beneficial or the benefactor of all of this is China potentially, um, which is leading the world in these technologies. Right, Francesca, don't go anywhere. I've got lots more questions. I'd like, after the short break, I'd like to talk to you about these hate speech um, and hate crime, um, uh, sort of the extension that the EU wants to make in terms of the definition of this. So we'll talk all about that because that's a really another really important issue, I think, in the EU um, and the censorship around it with the Digital Services Act. So we're going to talk all about that after this short break. So don't go anywhere. Stick with us on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio. Steve Malsberg. Well, the gals at The View were at it again, specifically Joy Behar, who defended Joe Biden on his memory and his memory issues before actually asking a legitimate question. And by the way, before I continue with this, why did, would he want to remember the day that his son died? Why? You want to block that out of your head. You want to remember no, when he, he was I, alive. I, I, so I, oh, wait, hold on. The fact is getting, that factor is getting completely buried. Okay, so he mixed up the names of a couple of people. How big of a problem is this going forward in this election for Biden? And Sonny Hostin took the question and ran with it. I think it's significant, actually. And, you do. And, and, you know, to mix up the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico, because his name sounds like Sisi, I, I, that, that's bizarre. Are and and what are the two names? They, they Obrador, the CC and Obrador. It's not different. super close. Yeah, they're pretty different. <laughs> and the other thing is, what the report said was um, he could not remember when he was the vice president. Wow, looks like Sonny wants Biden out of this race, and she has a plan. There's an off ramp here, and I think one of the off ramps that we need to think about is once all of the delegates are are received, 
the, Dem the DNC will be certifying the delegates, right, um, and the count. And Gavin Newsom can be swapped out if Joe Biden decides to Or another candidate. Or it another can candidate. be done. When the crew on The View is openly talking about Biden dropping out, it's only a matter of time. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right. Now, Francesca, I'm absolutely delighted that you come on. Um, a brilliant conversation there um, about um, EU energy policy and also about how the parliament works and the impact that it's having on European industry. Now, of course, you know, the UK is out of the European Union now or kind of out. We haven't got a proper Brexit. But, um, you know, what the EU does is still incredibly important. And, um, you know, free speech is one of those because, you know, the EU at the moment have written to Elon Musk about the X platform. And, the, you know, lurking in the background, there is a threat here that they're going to really go for the, for the platform because it's allowing people to speak freely. Now, I did see this morning that one of the, um, I think one of the things that you've contributed to in the Parliament, a debate, is on um, this extension of what um, hate speech is and hate crimes. Tell us about what the conversation which is going on in the EU Parliament at the moment. Well, they're trying to use uh, the, the issue and the topic of hate speech uh, to uh, substantially prohibit free speech. They are just uh, trying to censor all uh, opinions, all speeches that are uh, opposing the uh, policy imposed by the European Commission, um, which is, uh, of course, aligned to the one decided by the Biden administration in the U.S., so this, uh, you know, partnership is trying to uh, censor all uh, um, dissent all over uh, by uh, a, a so-called fight against hate speech, while they actually promote hate speech against all people uh, who have different thoughts <laughs> and different yeah. uh, opinions, political opinions. That's what they're starting started to do uh, um, during the COVID pandemic uh, emergency. Well, all uh, discussions uh, criticizing uh, uh, governmental policies were uh, censored, uh, saying that, uh, um, you know, uh, criticizing or um, spreading uh, vaccine exigency <laughs> was, uh, was hate speech, you know. And now they're doing uh, the same uh, against people who ask for peace. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, struggling and asking for peace in Ukraine or in Israel is labeled as hate speech. And this is ridiculous. It's, it's just Orwellian, you know. <laughs> but, but that's what we 
Yeah, and no, Francesca, obviously the EU is a broad church, right? You've got former communist um, states um, Eastern in Eastern Europe. They've got MEPs out there as well. What do MEPs make of this? Because surely, you know, they're not stupid. Then they they must realise the the purpose of these new EU regulations. So, what are MEPs saying in the Parliament in the debates that you're having? Well, there is a very uh, narrow uh, wing uh, in the Parliament, which is uh, you you are correct, uh, the left wing, uh, which is the the weakest uh, group in the Parliament, who. Uh, you know, in a very shy uh, way, try to stand up and say, okay, but we have some rules, we have uh, uh, constitutions that uh, defend free speech, uh, mm. we have uh, democracy issues, so please don't exaggerate uh, saying that uh, all people who uh, uh, don't agree, for instance, in uh, uh, sending weapons to Ukraine uh, are to be banned. But that's what they are doing. Uh, all of that, those uh, uh, you know, demands are not welcome, are not listened to, and are just labeled as uh, philo-Putin issues. So uh, we lately are seeing uh, also the true persecution of uh, uh, so-called uh, pro-Russians uh, inside the parliament. Every deputy who dares to say something that uh, in their terms uh, supports uh, Kremlin propaganda, because for instance, they say that Ukraine cannot win this war or that Ukrainian people are dying in tons or that uh, these sanctions are killing EU economy. Well, that's all labeled as uh, Putin's propaganda. And we, we deputies are not any longer allowed to say that because they will be, we will be investigated by the internal services of the parliament uh, under the suspicion of being Russian spies. That's how oh. insane we are. <laughs> No, this is violence. this is crazy stuff. And you'll know, like Absolutely. me, you know, when the EU decide to investigate you, um, you know, they, they it's a very, very powerful operation they've got there. Uh, and they will find well, they'll 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 invent things um and make your life very, very difficult. Um, which brings us on to the topic of democratic accountability and we touched on it just a moment ago with the fact that the parliament um isn't really a proper parliament because it can actually propose legislation and you know when i was out there back in um 2019 this was an issue that many mps even those that support the commission um were aware of has that debate gone away now or is there still a recognition and a call from meps for the parliament to be more democratic well, it's not gone away. There are uh, still uh, a lot of MEPs uh, that support the request of a reform, uh, giving more power to the parliament, giving to the parliament the power of uh, writing down laws, uh, of proposing uh, resolutions and directives. But uh, this reform is strictly connected with uh, the one that uh, um, takes out from the, the council members, uh, that's, that means the member states, the veto right. So 
on one side they <laughs> they want to get rid of <laughs> democracy uh you know uh, <laughs> allowing that just a few or a, a sort of majority of states can impose to others uh, new laws but the, on the other side they say well but in that case the parliament would have uh, bigger uh, powers uh, forgetting that inside the parliament the the, the 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 issue is always majority and the majority mm. are under the control of lobbies as i told you before so we would have no democracy at all in any case so i support the uh, you know uh, the veto to stay there because without the veto uh, power from member states uh, national democracies are totally outcasted by by decisions yeah. And of course, we saw that with um, the von der Leyen's own election, didn't we? Um, there was an actual election process that was all set up for the parliament. Um, Timmermans, I think, was the favourite at the time to to, to become the, the head of the EU. But um, the commission didn't like the candidates, so they threw it all out, didn't they? And they put von der Leyen, yeah. um, the only candidate in the election, and they actually had the gall to hold an election because I voted in it. Um, and um, she only just scraped even the 50 I think she got 52%, didn't she, um, in the end? So, um, yeah, um, I think there's a history of, um, of, of, of evidence there that shows that the parliament isn't actually a democratic institution. Now, um, very, very quickly, we've got three minutes left, um, Francesca. Um, June this year will be, um, the, you know, countries across Europe will be holding EU elections. What is yes. the talk in the Parliament about what they think is going to happen with those elections? What are the big issues? Everybody is aware that uh, next term we'll see a, a huge increase uh, in uh, um, right, uh, far right uh, uh, political parties. They call them far right, in my opinion. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah. And they will gain uh, votes uh, and consensus because of the dreadful policies carried on by this uh, commission and this majority. Let's not forget that uh, uh, the current majority supporting this commission is uh, a hybrid one composed by a popular uh, party and SD socialists uh, and the Greens. So the so-called defenders of farmers today have always supported the green <laughs> reform. So there, there's just a huge hypocrisy. And only the right parties uh, in Europe uh, today have uh, a lot of uh, trust by citizens who hope uh, that they will change direction in next term, uh, you know, um, conducting everything to sanity you know <laughs> stopping this insanity and francesca are you going to stand are you going to stand for re-election sure i will run for uh next uh, term elections uh, with my party the christian democracy italian christian democracy it's a small party but we are growing up very fast and uh, we don't we just want to stop polarization between uh, extremists uh, on one side and others and just to promote dialogue 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 yes 
Fantastic. Listen, Francesca, I wish you all the best of luck in, in that election. I'd love to see you re-elected. Thank you so much for coming on the Freeman Report once again. Ladies and gentlemen, Francesca Donato. Um, wow, what a conversation that was. Um, very enlightening from the EU there. Francesca, we'll have to get you back on um, very, very soon. Right, OK. Thank you, Francesca. Um, right, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because we've got more fantastic shows coming up for you right here on TNT.